isn't and, that and funny though that yeah. like like you say when you have uh an aha experience now you've left the church supposedly the holy ghost has also left and you know you have no ability to get any kind of inspiration and yet i've had so many uh i've had probably more experiences since i've left where i have really felt like there was some kind of divine intervention um and i don't even care what that is but it was it's no different than when i was i mean i don't remember having huge uh, uh experiences faith mm-hmm. faith and like but i do remember having divine intervention and it's the same yeah it's it hasn't changed at all and i but now for some reason i feel more warm and fuzzy when it happens mm-hmm. because it lets me know that it's about me and my relationship with with nature or the divine of whatever that is um and so i feel more um grateful for it Uh, welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today you might recognize is uh, another podcast host from the Mormon Discussions umbrella. It's Renee Stillman, and she is the host of the She Became Visible. Is that right? That's correct. What I've done with other guests is like, give me your like two minute Mormon story, <laughs> which okay. is like impossible, but yeah. That's perfect, Marty. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad you invited me to be on your podcast because I think it's really important to really let people know that you and I are under the umbrella of Mormon discussions. And we were we've been here since Bill opened it up to encourage more female voices. And I'm just so honored to be a part of that whole umbrella. Um, I don't have a I don't really have a big Mormon story. I have more of a Methodist story. Um, because my family, um, my mom had seven siblings. There were eight kids in her family. They were just a good old Midwest Methodist family. And so we grew up um, kind of doing the typical Christmas, Easter, occasional church. But we said grace over our meals. I said my prayers every night. But they were they were a rote, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen, you know. And uh, bless, O Lord, this food to our use and us to thy service. And make us ever mindful of the needs of others. That was our blessing that we all said over our food. But I had pictures of Jesus in my room. And, and uh, I had an uncle that died during World War II, but he had really been thinking about possibly becoming a priest or a pastor. Um, So God was a big part of my life, um, but there wasn't, I mean, I grew up with my dad and his siblings played poker. Whenever we got together, um, they drank beer, they smoked. And um, so that's, I just grew up with really wonderful, loving, kind, God-fearing people. Um, So my mom though decided that she was looking for something. She just felt like she was missing something. So when the missionaries knocked on our door, um, my my mom and my stepdad, my parents had gotten divorced. Um, they took the discussions and it took them a while. They, they weren't baptized immediately. My dad, my stepfather was from England. And so um, he smoked and he drank wine uh, on occasion. He wasn't a big drinker, but, um, 
and he grew up the Church of England and it just didn't matter to him. It wasn't that big of a deal. He wasn't really looking for anything, but he loved my mom and he, uh, being British, he just didn't want any contention in the home. So he, he was like, if you would like to be baptized, I would, I will be baptized as well, you know? So that was kind of his mindset. And so I was 12 and, um, my little brother was on, my half brother was only four and my older brother was 15. And, um, so my older brother and I were baptized, but of course he, at 15, he was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. And he went to live with my dad. He went to live with my biological dad because my mom became very Orthodox Mormon quite rapidly. And he was like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not, this is not for me. I'm out of here. I, you know, 15 year old boy. So, um, but I, you know, integrated into the church quite easily because I was a girl and it was fun. And I had girlfriends at church and, and, um, you know, the church back in the 60s was road shows, dance festival, Relief Society bazaars. It was such a social world and it was just heaven. Girls camp, every everything about it was just heaven, you know. And so I really went about it as more of a huge, just fun. This was so fun. Girls camp was so fun. And, and dance festival was was at the time, it was a big deal. I mean, I grew up in, in um, just south of Chicago and dance festival meant that we flew from Chicago to Utah and performed on the University of Utah football field. I mean, that was a big deal. And, you know, youth conference was, you got in the car and you drove to Indiana and you stayed in college dorms. And so it was, everything was just such a big deal. And, you know, as I got older and my kids were growing up in the church, I could see how it shrunk down to everything was ward level, you know, youth conference, everything was ward level or local level. And, and so I kind of grew up in the Camelot era. And I also- um, Where did I you raise your kids? Was it in Utah or is this? Uh, no, we grew, I raised, we raised our kids primarily in Oregon. Okay. Um, my, my dad got transferred to Washington state my senior year in high school. And honestly, uh, thank heavens for the church because you know how, no matter where you go in the world, there's your people, right? So we move yeah. into Washington state and we move into our ward and there's three girls in the ward that are my age and there's my automatic friends you know, built-in friends. Now they all three went to a different high school than I did. So that was weird. So they went to another high school and I did make a couple of friends, but not, you know, but, but my friends from church were the ones that I went to church dances with every Friday and Saturday and hung out at mutual on Wednesday nights. And so you have this built-in social group, which is really fabulous for the youth. I, I think for it's sure. just the best way to raise kids, honestly. Um, so I just kind of, there was absolutely, no, I can't say anything bad. I had, I did not have a, I had wonderful bishops. I had wonderful youth leaders. Um, I just found everything just magical growing up. And, and honestly, it was, um, it was just, I think a maturity as I matured and started to really kind of look at things through more of a, a common sense type lens is when I, before I started kind of going, you know, that doesn't really make sense, but I'm okay. I, you know, it's, it's okay. If it doesn't really make sense, it, it didn't affect me really. Like I remember having a girlfriend 
Um, and I remember she was always rolling her eyes because I would say things like, you know, sometimes I wonder if the missionary program really isn't more about tithing than, you know, and she would say, oh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> or, you know, they would say they would, I remember sitting, I just remember so clearly sitting in that that uh, woman's broadcast when President Hinckley said, you know, only one pair of earrings. And I was like, no, don't say it. Don't, because he was warming up to it. You know, he was saying like for men, no jewelry. And for women, I was like, don't say it, don't say it. I thought he was going to say no jewelry, oh. um, you know, but then he said one pair of earrings. And I was like, you know, but I did. I took out my other two pairs and and I was like, whatever, you know. Um, I always thought it was odd that you could still see the holes, you know, so it's not <laughs> whatever. So I just I kind of rolled my eyes at a lot of things, but it didn't change my testimony at all. I just thought, oh, these silly men, they just say the silliest things and whatever. It's not going to really affect me. You know, um, I never had a problem. I had a problem with garments just from, um, not from a health issue, but just from a um, trying to find clothing. I mean, you could find the most modest dress sleeves down to the knee, uh, but then like if you took a step, you could see the, your garments, or if you sat down, you could see your garments. And I got really frustrated with that. Just kind of like, geez, what? I mean, are we just supposed to be in a muumu? What's going on? I know. So I'd have little, but again, I looked at everything from a, um, oh, well, that's just what obedience looks like. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, I really, really had kind of a Camelot experience with the church until about three years ago. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it worked until it didn't, huh? It worked until I started finding out a few more things historically. And I was like, oh, you guys are liars. And that was kind yeah. of my rabbit hole. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, um, was it COVID? Because three years ago, that's about COVID or right before <clears throat> COVID? It was. It was about 2020. It okay. was, uh, um, and I, I, it's funny because I don't re I remember enjoying not having to go to church, but I don't remember using that as my time of discovery. It mm. just happened to fall into, I started hearing things about the CES letter and I finally- Where did you hear that? Like I had no, never I heard of that until I was actually looking for criticism of the church. Oh, like, that I, right? Yeah, like I lost my loyalty to the church and then I was like, okay, what else do I not know? Because I read uh -huh. Saints and they painted, like, I read Saints and then I read original, um, like, Joseph Smith papers that they oh, sourced in Saints. Yeah. And then I was like, well, that's not the same, this thing oh. in Saints and the thing yeah. in the source. <laughs> so yeah. then I was like, well, um, like, okay, if they're not, they're, they're biased, I want to hear the other side. I know it's biased, but I just want to uh -huh. hear it. I want, yeah. I've never even heard it. So yeah. Yeah, I went out looking for it and I found, it took me like two seconds to find the CS letter, but I'd never heard of it before that. Yeah. So. You know, I, I wish I could remember. I wish I had a better memory because I would love to remember where I heard about it. I, I can't even remember how I heard about John DeLynn because I wasn't even into podcasts, mm -hmm. you know, three years ago. I didn't really even, I don't even remember. I listened to a lot of audio books, but I don't remember listening to podcasts. Yeah. And, but somehow, I don't know how, 
I heard about it and honestly, I read it and it didn't affect me at all. I remember thinking, I don't care. So there's swords. So there's no horses. There's no chariots. Yeah. It's just, you know, Joseph Smith was a 14 year old boy who saw God. You know, what do you think he's going to say? You know what I mean? I just, it did not bother me at all. But honestly, when I found or heard about John DeLynn, and I wish I could remember how I did, I thought to myself, as a good believing Mormon, I am going to start from the very first podcast that he ever did, and I will work my way up. Thank heavens I you know, did it three years ago, because now he's on, what, 1873 or something. Are you still podcast. going strong? Have you yeah. not missed an episode? Oh, not hard. I do miss some. I, I don't really <laughs> take in a lot of the personal stories. Um, I get they do sound bored. the same after a while, right? Yeah, they do. And, and, uh, but I do listen to anything that's historical. Um, but his first, if I'm not mistaken, his first podcast was with Greg Prince, who is an active member. So I thought this is good. This is good. And John was active at the time. This yeah, was, he was, right. had not been next yet. Those are actually my favorite episodes of his yeah. are when he was interviewing like Richard Bushman and, um, but he had a lot like those yeah. groups. Was- yeah, Terrell Givens. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. yeah those were, the, yeah. And that's where I started. And so I remember thinking, okay, okay. Well, you know, the church history is a little wacky, but Joseph Smith is still a prophet and the Book of Mormon is still true. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, and I've heard that from so many other people. That's what, that was the beginning. That's where you start out by going, well, it's okay. But Joseph Smith was still a prophet and there's issues, but, mm-hmm, you know, right. but then you go down the rabbit hole And honestly, this sounds so crazy, but the thing that was like, what was the rock in the hat? Hmm, That was your, that was your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is such a mystical um, Ouija board thing that I was like, and that was my first, like you lied. I have six children that grew up singing Book of Mormon stories and um, pictures in my home of Joseph Smith translating the gold plates. And that was never taught. And if and, and any of these weirdos that, you know, that were huge church history nerds at the age of 14 and they were reading it in the ensign in 1967, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Or watching I, South Park. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. I didn't, yeah, I didn't watch South Park. I felt no, like that I was not it. No, nobody no, watched but, that. Yeah. That's well, I mean, that wasn't a right. thing to do, right? No. You don't watch South Park. And I, you know, and I read, I didn't read the ensign. I bought it from, or the, you know, children's friend. I bought that for my kids. And, and I didn't read the ensign cover to cover when it came. And uh, unless I had to for a talk or something. And so the idea that it was there, I mean, I don't know why you didn't know about it. I, I knew about it. And I was I like, whatever, it. you know, you, they were hiding it. Shut up. Yeah. Um, but that was the biggest thing, because I think that's a big thing. I think that's, a, the translation story is a big part of the story. And if you're lying about that, what else are you lying about? And so, of course, rough stone rolling. No one knows. No man knows my history. House of females that I just started down the rabbit hole. And and also, I think that um, I was able to separate the man from the church for modern day people like Ezra Taft Benson my husband's mission president was Mark Benson, who was his son. And my husband loved, loves him, worshiped him, thought he was the greatest man that ever walked the earth. And, um, but I experienced the president Benson that told 
you know, the women to go home and, and don't work outside the home and please ha have as many children as you can. And my husband is just a true believing Mormon who is obedient and um, just is willing to look past things because it's a good thing. You know, it's, it's, he's one of these people that there's more good than harm and it, it doesn't matter. And so, but president Benson always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And um, when I read Gregory Prince's book about David O. McKay, and I saw how Ezra Taft Benson treated David O. McKay and the lies that he pulled and the shenanigans that he pulled and then how the church handled it. Oh, that really I'm was... not uh, familiar with Greg Prince's book, so you're going to have to like. Well, fill, he fill he was um, you know he was the big communist conspiracy, which everybody was after World War II. My grandmother was civil defense. Oh, that's director. Ezra Taft Benson. But that's yes. what I'm talking about, Ezra Taft Benson. Yeah, yeah. but Greg Prince, yes. what was his book oh, about? Greg, Greg Prince wrote the book biography of David O. McKay. Okay, and and what he, was he, what were you the shitting at shenanigans that you were saying? So what? So in this in the biography. Uh, because he loved Ezra Taft Benson and, and Ezra Taft Benson was one of the apostles and he loved him and he would call him in and he would say, you know, Ezra, we got to calm down on the communism. You can't talk about this at conference. It's not the place. It's not the time. And he'd go, okay. And then next conference, the whole thing would be about communism and secret combinations and the whole bit. And they finally, they finally had to send him to Germany to get in. They, they thought he won't shut up. <laughs> so we'll send him to Germany and uh, maybe then he'll calm down and it didn't really work. And then he was also part of the um, uh, John Birch society and he, and David O. McKay was, was going downhill mentally and he took advantage of that. And he, he wanted to run for, for a vice president with I um, uh, can't remember his name, huge racist uh, can't remember his name. Anyway, he, he, and he asked if he could do that. And, uh, David O. McKay said, no, you're an apostle. You can't run for vice president. And can I be, can I be the president be the face of the John Birch society? And David O. McKay said, no, you're an apostle. And he kind of tried to finagle and sneak David O. McKay into a John Birch society event. Uh, or he was trying to get his photograph taken, you know, mm -hmm. you, taking advantage of his mental capability, you know, capacity which was degenerating and I, I and he it's all in the book it's all in the book and <laughs> it's just like I don't like that in a person I don't think that I think that person should be reprimanded and punished for that kind of behavior and nothing was done and that's probably one of my biggest things just for example just what's going on now with with Tim Ballard and Melvin Ballard yeah and these, like I can you know, yeah it, it, that sounds I mean these familiar. men are just never they're never held accountable for their actions. And I just don't think that's okay. And I, I don't go along with the fallibility thing because I have a wonderful husband who has never started a shell company. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> you know I, I've heard that argument a lot for like Joseph Smith. Well, you can't expect him to be perfect. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, but you can expect him to be better than average. <laughs> he didn't like, start a bank and ask people to donate all their money to him or yeah. claim that he had a revelation that you should yeah. build me a house. And oh, by the way, you should mortgage your farm and give me all your money. Yeah. And, you know, in fact, he's the reasonable. opposite. If someone's you know, a prophet he, of God, that they're going to be yes. cream of the crop and not. Yeah. 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 Not so I have a good example of what a, a, a person with ethics actually acts like in my home. So I find this behavior unacceptable and inexcusable. 
So I can't accept them as infallible uh, people that make mistakes. I'm like, no, a mistake is, oh, I meant to pick you up at the airport and I totally forgot. Mm. You know, that's a mistake. Or, oh, I know you told me not to eat those cookies you just baked for the, you know, bake sale at the elementary school, but I was so hungry. That's a mistake. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) marrying 34 women is not a mistake. (laughs) That's intentional. So anyway, I resigned my membership about three years ago and and uh, it's it was hard at first with my husband, uh, just because he didn't know what that meant. Hmm. What does that mean if you're not a member? Um, but what what we've really discovered is that we have the same values. Um, you know, I don't I I don't drink. I don't. Uh, I'm not planning on having a three way. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so I mean, I haven't changed my values at all. I just changed my religious belief. And um, so it hasn't really affected our marriage. In fact, it's made it a little bit better because, you know, it's, I'm kind of, I feel like I can be myself and I'm not angry. I did not realize you were in a mixed faith marriage. So I'm curious, can you guys talk about church stuff together or is that, do you find it's just best to not talk about it? Like, and if you do talk about it, how have that, how has that successfully happened? (laughs) Uh, not successfully at all. Um, but what's really, I think helped is, um, I actually introduced him to Patrick Mason, um, because he needs to hear things from active men in the church. He he would not listen to a woman. Um, but he, so he respects a man who is an active, um, recognized man in the church. And so to hear him to hear Patrick Mason say that he thinks polygamy was a sin um, is good for him. He accepts that. He would not accept it from me. He would not accept it from another woman. Um, But he, so he has found, and he, and he goes to these thrive events with me. And when there are um, respectable men who are, uh, faithful to their wives still, even though they're, they've left the church, you know, again, they're not doing, you know, crazy things. That's like, Hey, we're not members anymore. Let's all go have, you know, an orgy and get drunk every weekend. Um, he's not going to listen to anything about that, but any, any of the men like Anthony Miller, these men, you know, Bill, he has a lot of respect for these men that have stuck with their values as a husband. And, but they, and he, so he'll kind of go, Okay, well, you know, I found out through Patrick Mason's book that not everyone practiced polygamy, that there were there were men that said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, And so that gave him a a comforting feeling to know that if polygamy ever comes back, he will be able to say no. And I always say, yeah, we'll wait and see because he's he's pretty obedient. And I said, I I don't know. I said, I honestly I know you think that, but I honestly think because he is so obedient that if, um, you know, some stake president or bishop that he loved said to him, you know, Brother Stillman, I know you're, you're 80, but the, these three women have been just left destitute. And, you know, you don't have to, if you, but you're just going to have to marry them. If you could just take care of them, he'd go, okay, I'll, I'll just take care of them. 
you know, he'll, he'll, he'll do it, you know? So I, so I always, I always say, I think they're going to bring polygamy back because there's so many, you know, men leaving the church that there's all these single women out there. They're going to bring polygamy back, but I don't know. We'll see. He says, so, I don't think we need to worry about that. Right now. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so yeah. other, other than like when you initially left, you probably were telling him what you were doing, but as far as like how you guys live your lives, like, what does that look like? He just goes to church on Sunday and you don't, and yeah. you just don't talk about it? Like, is that, Well, you know what's kind of funny? Do you still um, have some shared, I don't know, like, do you, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of curious what that yeah. looks like. He has always, literally always been in some kind of position of authority. Um, we got married three weeks after he got home from his mission um, because I was serving in the United States Navy and was stationed in Japan and I only could take a 30 day leave. So we had to either, I either had to fly back to Oregon, uh, date for 30 days and then go back to Japan or we had to get married. So, you know, we were kind of forced to get married, um, because, you know, that's what they tell missionaries. Now you're, you're done with your mission, go home and get married. And he was like, okay. And so we got married three weeks after he got home from his mission. He flew back to Japan with me. He was the first male dependent on base. Most of the time they're women dependents, you know, and he was put in the branch presidency at, you know, 22 years old. He's put in the branch presidency with these other two uh, older guys. And so he has always gone to church by himself. He got himself dressed and went to church and I took the kids and got dressed and took them to church by myself for we've been married for 49 years. And so there were there were a few times when we were in the middle in between, like maybe we're moving from one ward to another ward where he was um, elders quorum president or um, I think he was in the Boy Scouts for a, just a really short amount of time. Um, but we were, like I said, in the middle of moving from one ward into another ward and it didn't last very long. So he is really used to getting up and going to church by himself. And he really, he said, I really like, at first I was going to church, but then all the way home in the car, I'd be like, I can't believe they said that. And he'd go, you know, I kind of like it when you don't go to church with me because then I don't have to listen to you rant all the way home. <laughs> so, and I tried, I've gone in the last three years, I've probably gone to church. Like I went on Father's Day and I went one time when there was a, a one of my friends, their uh, son came home from his mission. And I went one other time, I can't remember, but I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. So that was, that was nice when I finally said, don't, don't feel like, you know, don't feel like I have to go. I do, I do say to him, I said, every once in a while, I'm going to go to church with you just to remind any of those widows that you are married <laughs> or I will say to them, yes, brother Steelman loves apple pie. And if you would like to bring one to the home, I would appreciate that. You know, just, like in case, too. just in case they were like, Oh, that brother Steelman, he doesn't come with anybody. Is he married? You know, it's like, yes, he is. So just <laughs> put that to rest. You know? oh, so I'm a little possessive. He's a good guy, but yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so tell me about your podcast. So uh, you feature women on your podcast, right? Actually, have you had, you've had some male guests too. Right? I have or maybe had not. Randy sure. Bell on and, but I brought on Lila Tuller. So there were two against one. 
Um, <laughs> and all of my other guests have been female. And that was going to be my motto was I only, I only interview women, but I'm thinking that I think 2024, I'm going to be breaking that rule just because there's just so much happening out there. Mm-hmm. And also it, someone made, made this uh, very aware. And I thought this is really brilliant. She said, you know, you should have more men on, but talk, have them talk about their wives and their mothers and their, their daughters and the women that have made such a difference in their lives. And I thought that's a good idea, mm-hmm. you know, because when I did talk to Randy Bell, I mean, his mother uh, was amazing part of his life. And, and he talks about Mrs. Fender and how much she meant to him and, and how she made differences in his life. So, you know, to talk to men about how these women have really um, made them better men would be, I think, would go along with my, my theme. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm going to do. So, so your topics, what, what, do your, what, can, what have your topics been? And um, I guess... How does it relate to Mormonism or does well, it? Yeah, I started out when I first started out with Bill, I said, do I have to talk about, does this have to be an anti-Mormon podcast? And he <laughs> said, no, of course not. You know? Yeah. And my goal was to just really highlight women who had reached and you, you'll relate to this. It seems as though women really come together at about 45. To 43. They really kind of, everything just kind of clicks into place and they really find who they are and they, they kind of start putting down some boundaries and they start saying, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to accept that from you anymore because I have figured out who I am and I never liked doing that. I've never liked being that. And what I'd really like to do is blah, 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 or I want, you know. And so my my purpose was to interview women who really have stood up and said, hey, I'm here. I, I have become visible. So I started out interviewing a lot of women who were caretakers. Um, our youngest son was severely disabled, and I was his primary caregiver. And um, honestly, and my husband will be the first to admit this, it's like, I always say to him, you don't have a handicapped son. I have a handicapped son and you are a babysitter occasionally. And when you do babysit for him, you get praised as if it is the most amazing thing in the world. You know, it's like, oh, look, Tony Steelman standing next to his son at the football game. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my gosh, he's such a good father. You know, and I'd be like, oh, please, you know. Let's talk about how that kid got to the football game. All right. You know, and and then again, I, I took six children to, to church by myself for, you know, for all of those years because he was always at a bishopric meeting or a high council meeting or something like that. And I sat by myself. He sat on the stand. And and um, so I interviewed a lot of women who were oh, same thing, you know, either husband left them. Um, I, I had the most amazing woman, one of my podcasts, she has three children. They all three have disabilities. A couple of them are genetic and one of them is just um, an autism spectrum issue. And then her husband died. And so here she is a single mother. She went back to school. She got her teaching degree. 
um, because of the fabulous school system in the United States where children with disabilities, it's mandated that they also get to go to school, she was able to teach and still be a full-time mom. Um, but that woman is, I mean, if you have any questions about where you can get help or what kind of mental help you should be getting for your child or services that are available, blah, 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 she knew every place to go. She lives back in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, but she was a wonderful, I loved interviewing her. And um, I also have, uh, you know, interviewed other women that had, I had one, my very, one of my very first podcasts was a couple that had, uh, again, a genetic thing that they didn't realize until their third child, because it was one of those genetic disabilities that your chances are 20% or 30%. So they had a, a child and the child died. Then they had a second child. The child had the disability. They had a third child. The child did not have a disability. And so it wasn't until then that they, doc they did some testing and found out that this was a genetic disorder and their good chances that if they had any more children, they would have it. And so they were, they were fabulous. So, you know, anytime these women were given challenges and they really stood up and just, you know, they were just overcoming these challenges and crushing it. Those are the people that I had on my podcast. And then I kind of went to women who just did something as simple as say, I'm not going to dye my hair anymore. I'm just going to let it go gray. And you wouldn't think that would be that big of a deal. But honestly, these women had stories that just blew me away. I'm like, your daughter said what? Or your husband threatened to divorce you if you didn't dye your hair back? I'm like, what? You know, crazy stories mm -hmm. or, yeah, it's just amazing what women put up with. Strangers coming up to them in the grocery store saying, you know, you'd look about 10 years younger if you dye your hair. I'm like, oh, can't believe that, you know? So, yeah, so I, it really got to be a very, very diverse just anytime women just were like, I don't care what you think, I'm letting my hair go gray, you know, um, or other things where they stood up to doctors and said, I don't care what you say, there's something wrong with this kid and I need to find out what it is, you know. Mm -hmm. So any type of a situation where the women said, I'm not listening to you, I have a gut instinct that tells me I need to do some more research. And so, uh, but eventually I, I uh, kind of, gently moved on to a lot of women that had left the church and had a lot of really sad experiences with, um, they weren't as lucky as I was. They had husbands that were like, well, if you're not my eternal companion, I'm out of here and, right. uh, left a family of five kids, you know, just blew my mind. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my, that's my theme is women that have stood up and they're not going to carry the water for the patriarchy anymore. They're going to stand up and say, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. And I'm, uh, I'm going to start living my life differently. So that's my, that's okay. my demographic. <laughs> cool. So uh, how often are you um, publishing an episode? Um, I try to publish once a week. Okay. Um, and you're doing them live. I am. I am okay. doing them live. I do want to find out a little bit more tools to be able to edit because I think some of these podcasts are just so fabulous. They're like watching a freaking MGM 21st century movie. They're so oh. well edited, you know, the music and the, you know, 
the uh, change of scenery. And <laughs> I'm like, this is like watching something in a theater. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think it helps if you can edit it. And I've, there've been a few times when I thought, Ooh, I wish I could take that out, you know? Yeah. Um, but normally I just do it live. Yeah. Okay. So um, what, when Bill real like said, Hey, we want female voices. Did you just take that and run with it? Or were you already planning on doing a podcast? And you're like, Hey, this seems like a good way to do it. Like what made you decide to do a podcast? That, you know, actually I was already doing a podcast. Okay. Um, I was doing uh, the same idea with the, she became visible only it was called go gray dame. Okay. And I was recording at a studio in Scottsdale. Cause we live, uh, primarily in Arizona. And so in Scottsdale, they had a studio that you could go to, you could record, and then they would do all the editing and they would actually post it for you on all the different, um, you know, Apple podcasts and heart radio and Spotify or wherever else you wanted your podcast. So they would do that for you. But the problem with that is I had to have in studio guests. Um, but I did some really fun ones. I had, um, I had a lawyer that came in and talked right after the AP article came out about the uh, child abuse in Arizona. And we talked about that. And um, I had um, some other guests that I had a couple of women on that were professional golfers and it was just, yeah, so it was really fun, but you know, limiting it to people that lived in the Scottsdale area was a little bit difficult, especially when I started leaning more towards, um, people that had left the church exmos um, that that was drying up my, you know, I actually flew in a couple of guests uh, that uh, that I wanted to have on, but um, I realized that I needed to learn how to do this myself because I, I just zooming was the, the way to go. Okay. So when did you start the podcast? Was that before you left? So I started the podcast about, the go three gray years ago, the go gray dame. Okay. And then when I was listening to Bill and he put out the call, I was able to just send him a couple of my already done podcasts. I see. And yeah. So that was how I auditioned for Got the it. part. Yeah. So, um, but that's about the same time you left, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, that's very interesting. Cause I was kind of going through my, Ugh! but I hadn't actually left, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. So it was, um, I was kind of going through a little bit of a, this is really bugging me type thing, but I, I'm still here. It's roll your eyes, but, oh, you know, um, but yeah, I can't even remember what the final straw was that I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So do you, uh, what motivates you to keep going or what to do the podcast? Is it the same thing that made you want to start? Like what keeps you going now versus like starting? Well, I think that women, especially, I think that one of the, one of the side effects of aging is your, your circle just kind of gets a little bit smaller um, because so much of your life as a young adult, you're either in college with your, your roommates at school or, or your friends at church. And then you, you, you know, graduate from college or, or you have your job and you've got friends at work that you hang out with, then you get married and you have children. And so your friends become your mom group, the play dates, the kids at the, you know, preschool or whatever. And uh, so many of our friends that we hung out with and we had such a great time with were our other baseball moms and dads, right? 
uh, other kids on the football team. That's who we hung out with. And and I, you hear people say, oh, yeah, I was a dance dad and I hung out with all the other dance dads. And so you have all your friends that you're all going through the same season of life together. And then as you age and your kids grow up and go away and your friends' kids grow up and go away and then you decide to move and now you're starting a different friend group and you're, you're just, your community just gets smaller and smaller. And it's so funny because now I look back and I realize all the ward activities that we went to. And I remember that always be like the bishop and his wife, maybe the um, high priest group leader and his wife that were grandmas and grandpas, but everybody else there, they were just young families in the ward and the kids were running all over the cultural hall. And that's who really came to all the, you know, ward activities. Mm -hmm. uh, because the older you get, you're like, why would I go to a pancake breakfast at 7.30 on Saturday morning? <laughs> and we don't have any kids at home and right. I don't want to get up and go eat pancakes at the church. And so I really found that women need other women. And we need that conversation. We need that female conversation. I know men hate it. I know men hate the fact that women tell each other everything, but that's just how we are. And we need our, we need the sewing bees. We need the coffee clutches. We need that. And so I feel like we lose that, especially in my demographic. And so that's why I love doing the podcast is I'm sitting here on a Thursday night talking to you. Otherwise I'd be watching another Mormonism life <laughs> right? You know, by myself. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'll go through the whole day. And when I actually start to speak, I go, Oh, <clears throat> I haven't actually used my voice all day long. I haven't spoken to anybody, you know? Okay. So um, as far as your content and how it's driven, do you ever worry that about audience capture? I don't know if you know what that, if you're familiar with that phrase or yeah. if you're ever concerned about that. Like, so you have like, I'll kind of describe, like, I have kind of my idea of what I would like to promote, but sometimes what you want to promote and what people seem to click on is not the same. I know. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so it's hard. I don't know if that, is that like not being authentic to go after what people are interested in or is it okay to cater to what people are interested in. I don't know. Have you ever know, grappled with yeah. that or thought about yeah. those kinds of things? I have because, you know, I, I actually hired someone to help me with a lot of the technical stuff as far as like producing shorts. Hmm. And cause I know how important that is to have. Um, but I got, I, I was talking with him and I said, you know, I, I know that shorts are supposed to be titled with some kind of clickbait. There needs to be a title on that short that's just going to grab someone. I said, but I have a hard time because I don't think they're honest. I mean, you can't right. say shocking news on a short. And then when you actually watch the short, it's like, yeah, I went to Target today, you know, and I don't want that. I want everything because that is such a big thing for me. I mean, the reason I left the church was because of the authenticity. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want people to think that I'm, I promise this, but I'm delivering this. That's not right. authentic. And I really want everything to be authentic. Um, I do, I, especially right now, I mean, I'm listening to podcasts. I don't know who these people are. I don't know how I found them, but they're talking about Ruby Frankie. So they're popping up on my YouTube and, you know, um, so there are trends 
And there are subjects that are going on that are like, yeah, that would be, I should probably talk about that because that might get me more viewers, but I don't know anything about that. And I don't have, you know, secret spies that can give me, you know, <laughs> information that nobody else knows about. Um, but I am I interested in it. You just don't care anymore about it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm shocked. I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about those all. subjects. I'm just yeah. some of the things that yeah. become really important to people and then, it sometimes I'm done with it long before the media cycle is done with it. <laughs> I don't care who Taylor Swift is dating right now. That is <laughs> probably one of the things I won't be covering, but here's my, here's one of my biggest things because I have, I know this about myself. One of my shadow uh, sides is I can get negative really easy hmm. and I don't want to become every single podcast is just negative Nelly, you know, um, I, I'm working, I, I haven't on... got that vibe from you at all. So okay, good. good That's job. good. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't, you know, I do have a, I listened to a fabulous podcast today with Jana Reese and I was just like, girlfriend, I don't know how long it took you to get that open and loving and space giving and gray and allowing, you know, but that is such a beautiful trait to have to be able to have so much allowance for people um it was it was and i've heard it before and i've seen it before but it's something i really want to try to adopt more to be more understanding where people are not binary um you know i don't know how you were raised were you like born under the covenant and oh yeah okay yeah so you I, know it's hard it's hard to explain like I feel like my family was a lot more relaxed than mm. I became going through mm. the seminary and institute programs. I feel like I became more orthodox. Mm. Like I, I went through those programs going, oh, we didn't do family home evening every night. And oh. we didn't say our family prayers every night. I need to do better with my family. Like oh, okay. that's how. So I, I kind of felt like my family was a little subpar when in reality, from where I'm at now, I feel like my family was a pretty good, healthy balance of reality and still participating in a church community. Like none yeah. of my family is so orthodox. Like, like, for example, one of my brothers went to, I can't remember, he went outside the country, uh, Central America when, for a vacation. And of course they don't drink coffee, but they brought back like coffee beans because they were supposed to be really good for my husband because he loves coffee now. Oh, so it's like, cool. yeah. so they're just not, they're not, they're not super put off by that. And I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. Like they yeah. want the best for us and they understand um, that maybe we'll be rebaptized in the afterlife. They're just not too stressed uh, out about it. That's so <laughs> great. You know, what's funny. If I was to, um, um, you know, my mom thinks that she's an Orthodox Mormon. Um, you know, she's 91. So, you know, she can think whatever she wants to. But it's so funny because as you're as you were saying that growing up, I remember driving into Chicago with my parents to eat at some fabulous, authentic Chinese restaurant. And I remember my mom drinking green tea. And I remember as a child being like, oh. You know, and she was like, it's not the same. It's it's a healthy herbal thing. And I'm like, I don't think so, but whatever. <laughs> and I remember her wearing pants to church in the 70s. And when pantsuits were real popular and she had a few Relief Society women like, you know, 
sister, we should not be wearing pants to church. And she was like, why not? You know? And so she was a lot more rebellious than she, she set an example for me to um, subliminally to not put up with stuff. I remember her yelling at my dad because he was such, like I said, such a good British man. And he'd be doing his home teaching and she'd be like, you said you were going to be home tonight, you know? And, and uh, she was the Sunday school president. And a Sunday we would sit around at dinner and she'd be complaining about those men that don't listen to her. And she told them who she needed as teachers and no, nobody would listen to her, you know. But if I tried to bring that up right now, she would deny all of that. You know? <laughs> so I, yeah, yeah like you. It's coming from, right? <laughs> yeah. But so like you, I mean, we didn't have family home evening because it was just me and my little brother that was eight years younger than I was. So how are you going to have a family home evening with basically one kid, you know? Yeah. Um, so and they drank diet Coke and you no, know, we didn't have to stay. We didn't go anywhere on Sunday, but we didn't have to stay in our church clothes or anything like that. So, yeah, it was, I think that's what made it an easy transition for me. It's like, I didn't grow up with all that. So I'm good. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was pretty tough transition. Um, yeah. but I'm okay. Like, yeah. um, it's like one of those things was really hard to go through, but I feel like I'm a better person for it. And I survived the other side. <laughs> did you, so. did you and your husband go out together? Yeah, we did. Wow. So did you both discover like at the, who, who discovered something first and then said, Hey, have you ever heard or how, how did that go? Do you know, it was, it was pretty simultaneous. I, I, I would say that I had some doubts that there are people going to church that will stay in the church forever that had the kind of doubts that I had. So oh. it wasn't like I had any huge doubts. It was just like, I, I was uncomfortable with the level of certainty I had. Mm. So it's hard to, it's hard to describe. Um, I, I mean, I, I was becoming more materialistic in my thinking. And so mm. I was kind of like, when people would tell a ghost story or something that seemed pretty fantastical, I'd be mm. like, mm, probably not, but that's okay. Yeah. You have your story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I never really pointed it toward my my beliefs in Mormonism until I was mm. listening to this podcast. It was um, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris talking about truth. They were, they were debating truth. It was like a three-hour podcast, and they got nowhere because they couldn't get past truth. Oh and I, I don't know why I thought of this during that podcast, but I had this I thought of, like, do I believe that Joseph Smith – had gold plates. Like, I don't know why I thought about it then, but I thought about it. Like, do I really believe that? Is that true? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe that's why. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, I realized I didn't believe it. And then I had to grapple with that for like the next three years. And I was, mm -hmm. um, I just kind of developed a belief of there, those supernatural beliefs maybe didn't happen, but the church was still good. That's how it got here. That's yeah. how we got to here. So, you know, whatever in the past. So it wasn't super important. But as I'm teaching my kids, like my my oldest, I think, was eight, you know, during that time. And it became really hard for me to teach things like the plan of salvation that I felt like had no there was no evidence for it other than this revelation from a guy that may or may not 
like no reality that 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 might not be real like mm -hmm. even the plan of salvation which is really beautiful for a lot of people like that's what they right. love about the church right i had a hard time with it because i was just like how do we know that mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was just mm -hmm. like it was uh like a yeah i just didn't think that we could know those types of things right. and so i finally just talked to my husband about it and we decided that we would try to do better with checking all the boxes and maybe I could get my testimony back and I was on board. And so we kind of went down that path and it was really weird. Like, honestly, if I still kind of had that mindset of um, God directing my life, I could mm -hmm. easily say God got me here. Like I really mm -hmm. do. And I do feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be, but right. the way that things lined up and what happened like we spoke in church and then I got a calling and then I read saints and then um that's when everything collapsed yeah so and and I wouldn't have read saints had I not got the calling I wouldn't have got the calling had I not spoken church like it was just yeah things that happened that it was yeah yeah bizarre. but anyways that isn't and, that and, funny and though when, that yeah like like you say when you have uh an aha experience now you've left the church supposedly the Holy Ghost has also left and you know, you have no ability to get any kind of inspiration. And yet I've had so many, uh, I've had probably more experiences since I've left where I have really felt like there was some kind of divine intervention. Um, and I don't even care what that is, but it was, it's no different than when I was, I mean, I don't remember having huge, uh, uh, experiences Faith, mm -hmm. faith and light. But I do remember having divine intervention and it's the same. Yeah. It's, it hasn't changed at all. And I, but now for some reason, I feel more warm and fuzzy when it happens mm -hmm. because it lets me know that it's about me and my relationship with, with nature or the divine of whatever that is. Um, and so I feel more um, grateful for mm -hmm. it. And so, and I, I'm still having, you know, thoughts, I should call so-and-so or, or I should go do this or, or, you know, give that person, you know, that, that thing that you, you know, you don't need that anymore. And she just mentioned she couldn't find something. It's like, here, just take mine. I don't care. And it's so lovely to have that feeling knowing that it, I wasn't trying to convert the person or it was just a nice <laughs> thing to do, you know, yeah. but you have small children in your home. So that was a completely different scenario for you. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Um, we'll talk about things every once in a while and I, I can't believe they've just forgot it all. Like they um, just don't, they were, they were small enough that it just wasn't that big of a deal in their life. And, and actually they, they still go to the weekday activities. Like I'm oh. totally fine with them hanging out. Our church is really close and, right. and their friends invite them and they want to go. They're excited for it. And so I'm okay with them going. Yeah. I, in yeah. fact, I feel a little guilty that, I'm not helping with the activities. And so like whenever the leaders are like, Hey, we need parents to help. I'm always like, I'll help. <laughs> That's great. I feel really guilty. So yeah, no, I, I feel like, um, like I don't have doubts that the church is true, but I have doubts of whether I should pass something on to my kids, my young mm -hmm. children. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like there's stages of life and, a lot of my kids are in a stage of life where it's totally appropriate to believe stuff like that, in my opinion. Exactly. And totally honestly, goes, yeah, totally goes yeah. with the, uh, you know, Richard Rohr and, and James Fowler's yeah. stages of faith and children need black and white. They need structure yeah. and it works. 
So yeah. Yeah. So those those are some of the doubts that maybe I have about being where we're at. But I, there's just no way I can honestly participate um, myself. Uh, right. But I don't know. One of these days, maybe I'll actually go hang, like find another church to yeah. check out and it would align better. But I just haven't made the effort. So, you know, and isn't that funny? Because I've enjoyed Sundays. <laughs> exactly. It's because I found um, in Arizona, I found a church uh, just 15 minutes away and it's a very progressive Methodist church. Uh, they have women there. It's very casual. Everybody shows up in their just casual clothes mm -hmm. and a lot of women there, a lot of, and, and, and I just started going when the um, snowbird thing happened. So there was a, a very reduced population because all the, all the oldies had, you know, gone back to Michigan for the, for the summer or whatever. Uh -huh. And um, so, but they're very accepting. They're L, very LBGTQ uh, accepting uh, very women. They're, they're not very patriarchal. And, and so I thought, well, maybe when we get back, because we're kind of trying this snowbird thing. When we get back in in the in November, um, maybe I'll just start attending that every Sunday. And then I'm like, yeah, but I have that really fun F45 class that I go to at nine on Sunday morning. <laughs> I don't know if I want to give that up. <laughs> so yeah, you just kind of start going, yeah, but I wanted to get a good hike in and that starts at 9.30. So, yeah. you know, yeah. that is, that's the problem. And we've, we've really enjoyed like spending time with the kids too. We'll take yeah. them on a lot of, a lot of hikes and backpacking yeah. and yeah, it's been, yeah. we've, we've filled it with other things and honestly we'll spend time with our family too on Sundays, like yeah. extended family. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's true. Well, it is it's definitely different for everyone in my heart. You know, my, my, you know, out of our six children, um, four of them had left the church and the, uh, my youngest son, as I mentioned, was severely disabled. So he's just already an angel. Um, and my other daughter that's active is very nuanced and very progressive and very much, but she's got four kids. And like you, it's like, this is a great place for these kids. They've got good friends and good structure and it's working well. And so far they haven't had any kind of wacky thing where they've had to re redoctrinate the kids because something wacky was said. So they're, you know, so far so good. Um, and it works for them and she, and we can talk about things and she's like, yeah, I know it's crazy, you know? So she's not condemning it all. And I have good relationship with all the grandkids. And I'm very fortunate that way. I mean, I know a lot yeah. of people that have lost a lot to leave this, you know, community. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not ignorant to that, how grateful I should be that I have a great husband and great children and great grandchildren that it really didn't change anything. Now, you know, my kids are like, my husband said, well, what if the granddaughters, you know, when they get married and they get married in the temple and you can't be there. And I said, you know, for some reason it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Me at all. I'll, be, I'll be outside. I'll be, yeah. I'll be getting the tablecloth set up for the reception. It's it's I'm okay with it. You know? Yeah. I've had the same yeah. thought. Like I'm just yeah. not, in fact, I've, I've thought like if they let me in there, I think it might hurt more Yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. honest, to watch yeah. a loved one go through the ceremony and just not, I don't know. I, I don't like to use the C word um, because yeah. I think it's way more complicated than that. But yeah. obviously there's a reason the C word comes up so much. <laughs> so I love, I love Lindsay Hansen Park's um, explanation when John Dillon asked her about a cult and she said, I don't like to use that word because who am I 
to tell you what your experience was. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I'm totally paraphrasing it, but she said it beautifully, but she said, you know, like if you were traumatized and you want to call it a cult for you, you're free to do that, but it's not my job to tell you what it was. Yeah. And I thought, see, again, another person that has learned binary, non-binary thinking that I have not, you know, uh, learned well yet, but I'm trying, I'm trying really hard just to kind of go, let me think, let me just think about this. Yeah. You know, yeah. I grew up in a very black and white home. Like I said, very Midwestern Republican, uh, you know, yay Eisenhower and Nixon and, and uh, you know, very Jesus loves you. And this is the way you do things. And if you don't do them, you're an idiot. I mean, that was, I think that's my mom's family's favorite word is stupid idiot. And yeah. it was like, wow, that's a very fierce emotion to have over that kid that has blue hair. I mean, <laughs> wow, you know, but yeah. that's how oh, stupid idiot, you know, kid with blue hair. And I'm like, you know, mom, I don't know if it's really that big of a deal, you know, but when you grow up like that and then you have a church that's very black and white, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a learning process for sure. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you were saying that you, you've, um, been really lucky for the people around you that you have good relationships. And I am just going to throw this out there. I suspect that you are also easy to get along with and you also have maybe some tips or tricks maybe of building relationships with maybe people you don't agree with. I don't know. Like, do you feel like you have any words of wisdom there? You know, I, no, I don't. And I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you why I have a, a good girlfriend that um, just, again, became a very right wing Republican, very Trump loving person. And I just, I mean, the last few, you know, years or so I was kind of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, you know? Um, so I, it's kind of like, I, I'm trying to listen to these people that go, we can, we can still be friends. I'm like, yeah, but you're wrapped up in a, flag. And I don't know if you have a MAGA hat on, I don't know if I can do that, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm, um, I am, I really, honestly, it's funny because I really don't care. Like for example, here's a, here's an example. I am an interior designer. I love it. Right. I fashion and design are just my passion. I absolutely love it. I couldn't care less what you do with your house, right? So when I go, when I would go over to people's homes, uh, they would go, oh, I'm so sorry. I know I should probably do something and don't look at my bedroom, you know? And I'd be like, I don't care. You know, I really don't care what people, you know, how they want to live their life or do their thing because it's kind of like, it's my thing. It's my thing that I love and I don't care what you do. So that, that is one thing that I will say I have never really had a hard time with when it comes to the black and white thing. For example, um, I remember one time my, my, one of my sons, he just, you know, he didn't date a lot and he, um, he, um, he's very shy and very introverted. And my mom said, my mom said, uh, what would you do if you found out that he was gay? And I said, that would be fabulous. I would love that. And this was years ago, you know, and she was like, oh, you would allow someone that didn't love Jesus in your home. And I was like, okay, I don't know how those correlate, <laughs> but yes, I would, you know, and, and our oldest son, our oldest son, I love him because he's so much like me. He's just impulsive 
and crazy and, you know, and I love him for that. And he drove everybody crazy, you know, and I would get phone calls from the school, you know, we can't find him or he just did this. I'm like, oh, well, that's, so I've been very, I'm very accepting really of you do you. I'm good with that. Um, as long as you don't start saying really silly things like, you know, against, you know, like we have a, um, we have a young man that helped us with our son before he passed away. Amazing, amazing young man that's over here from Mexico City on a student visa. And this man works harder than anybody I know. And I've watched what he has gone through for seven years to try to get a worker's visa and immigration rights. And I, so I am violent against people that just blase come up with some easy trail that they think it is to get immigration or something like that. So I'm pretty much, you do you and I'll do me unless you start saying really silly things like they just have to go back to Mexico, fill out an application, they'll be back. I'm like, mm, I'm not doing that one, you know? So it depends. It just depends on what the subject is. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, well um, I appreciate uh, you get taking the time. I think this was fun. So fun. And so now uh, any of my listeners can get an idea of what they're in for and they can go check out your podcast. Oh, that would you, be so fabulous. Do you have any um, favorite podcasts? Um, you know, or, one of my, what are like the most listened to? And yeah. Then... One of my favorite ones that really has kind of just stuck with me and I need to figure out how to get her back on. Um, I interviewed a fabulous woman from, um, Canada that, um, she, she in herself has the most amazing story her and her husband went on a mission to, uh, South Africa and like the day they arrived in South Africa, their mission president picked them up. And on the way to the mission home, they were in a horrific car accident. And yet they stayed, they finished up their mission. She talked about the pain they went through, how they were treated. She talked about how, uh, what kind of insurance the church um, gives senior missionaries, which was just another eye-opening, you know, for me, I'm like, I had no idea that you had to buy insurance to, and, you know, and then they were in South Africa. So there was a national health care program and they didn't cover that. Blah, blah, blah. It was just amazing. But then um, her daughter had husband died while they were on their mission. And he was struggling with a disease. It wasn't a surprise. It's a little bit of a surprise, but he was, you know, he was going downhill. But the way her daughter was treated when her husband died was just, it was a heart wrenching podcast. It was one of my favorites to do. And her story um, is just beautiful. And I think it's eye opening. They both left the church, um, but not they did. They haven't left the church angry. They've left the church hurt hmm. and, and traumatized and sad that it ended up the way it was. And I, I just think that's so important to remember that, you know, we don't all leave like me where I'm like, you lied. You know, th there's other people that have left because they were just hurt. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I would love to, to interview some more people like that, that they're not angry, but they're just sad that, well, it, you. you know, things turned out like that, but yeah. Well, um, I will, 
I try to do show notes where I post links. What was the name of the episode? Do you remember? Oh, it was with Jean Brody and her daughter. I can't remember which one it was. I'll see if I can find it and I'll send it to you. Um, I can find it probably. Yeah. Yeah. Jean and her daughter. It was just, it wasn't that long ago. Um, We were still in Arizona. So it was probably in June uh, when I did it, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was absolutely beautiful. Her daughter is amazing. Just lovely people. Um, But yeah, that would be fabulous. I appreciate that. And it was fun to do. I did a cult, uh, a cult. What's the cults of consciousness? Uh, I I can't think of her name either. Yeah. Shalice, yeah. that was fun. That was really fun to do. And yeah, um, you've been yeah. making the rounds. I've seen you yeah. over on Rebecca's channel. And then you were on, I don't even know how to say his yeah. name, Mormon News Roundup. Yeah, DeVace is a kick. He is so funny. Yeah. I told him, I said, I'm, I'm listening to you. People think I must be one of these schizophrenics on the street because I've got my earbuds in, but you can't see them with, because of my hair. And I'm laughing walking through the grocery store. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it's been so fun. Yeah. It's, I love the people that I've met. It's my poor husband. I I said, it's your turn now because, you know, I went to all of his business conferences and traveled when he would travel for business, I would go with him and I would stand next to him. Like, do I have to listen to crane talk for another five hours? I don't care what crane you just bought, you know? And so now he's going with me and I'm sitting there. We're all talking about podcasts and ex-Mormon, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, it's your turn. So it's so fun. Great people. Fabulous people. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time. And um, yeah. Everyone yeah. can head over. Thanks for having me on. Podcast. This has been so fun. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So anyway, yeah. Have All a right. great night. Good night.